Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. We are excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. Just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you have access to other resources, information about who we are and where we're going as a church, as well as an opportunity to give to what God is doing here. Once again, thanks for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. For the past seven weekends, we have sought to answer a question. And here's the question that we have been examining. What does a faithful follower of Jesus look like? And we have, as we answered that question, we have done that with the reality from Scripture that following Jesus is all about relationships. And we've talked about those three relationships that are what following Jesus is really all about. You remember the three words, abide, connect, and share, right? Abiding in Christ personally and daily, connecting with one another in community and large group and small group, and sharing in the mission locally and globally. So we've answered that question for seven weekends. What does a faithful follower of Jesus look like? And if you have not been here with us, I encourage you (coughs) to go back online, watch these seven weekend messages so that you clearly understand the answer to the question, what does a faithful follower of Jesus look like? Now, what we've been teaching over the last seven weekends, really for the very first time we birthed in our church in 2004. And every four years since then, 2004, 2008, 2012, now 2016, Lord willing, again in 2020, we'll do this again. But we go back and we teach through this foundation of what it looks like to faithfully follow Jesus. Because I'm convinced that in all of the trappings of church in North America, that we have moved and drifted from the simplicity and purity of simple devotion to Jesus. But as we prayed through doing this in 2016, God really laid a burden on my heart and the heart of our pastoral team here at Hope. That over the last 12 years, as we have now unpacked this three different times, we've done a very effective job at laying down the foundation of what a disciple looks like, what a faithful follower of Jesus looks like. But God really convicted us as we prayed through doing this this year that we needed to answer another very important question. So that's what we're going to do beginning today for the next four weekends, leading up to Easter. If you can believe it, Easter is four weekends away. It's here. For for the next four weekends, here's the, the question that I want us to answer. How do I develop these relationships and grow as a follower of Jesus? It's one thing to say, I get it. Following Jesus is about a daily personal relationship with God. I get it that that relationship spills into my fellowship relationship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I get it that that relationship overflows into relationships with people that don't know God at all so that I can live on mission. Pastor, you've convinced us. We get it. Following Jesus is all about relationships. But how, how do I develop these relationships and grow as a follower of Jesus? Well, let me answer that question by asking you another one. How do you develop any relationship? There's really a one-word answer, right? And it's the word time. Every relationship in my life is developed by choosing to invest time in that relationship. Think about it this way. 
I have a family. My family is composed of multiple relationships. And here's what I mean by that. The foundation of my family is my love relationship with my wife. My wife and I have a relationship with each other that is for life. And that is the foundation of my immediate family, my relationship to my wife. But our family relationship extends beyond just my relationship with my wife to include my relationship with my children. I have four children. So our children are included in this relationship that calls family. I'm now learning that that relationship keeps growing, right? Because I announced to you a couple of weekends ago, I have a daughter that's getting married. And so now that, that, that circle is getting larger to begin to include the young man that is going to marry my daughter. And here's what I now know, that that circle is going to get even bigger because they're going to be grandchildren, right? No pressure, Hannah, but as soon as possible would be wonderful. <laughs> so the circles keep growing, right? But all of that is my family. But here's what I want you to hear me say. All of those relationships are developed as I choose to invest time, but the times are different. Sometimes my wife and I go out together on a date, and it's just she and I. It's, it's one-on-one time with my wife and I. But my one-on-one time with my wife, guess what, also affects all of those other relationships inside of the family dynamic. Sometimes I'll go on a one-on-one outing with one of my kids, Sometimes, as a family, we'll, we'll all gather together and go somewhere together, or in a regular instance, we'll just gather and have a meal together around the table. All of those different ways that I choose to spend my time affect all of those relationships. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Just like that, following Jesus is about three primary relationships. First and foremost, an intimate love relationship with God. Everything else is based on that. But then it's about a relationship with you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. And then it's also about a relationship with people locally and globally who don't know God at all. And here's what we've identified. There are four primary ways that you and I, as followers of Jesus, can choose to invest our time that grows all three of those relationships. So what we're going to do this weekend and for the next four is unpack those four kinds of time that you can choose to invest your life into that will grow all of those relationships. Let me give them to you, all four of them. Here's the first one. We're going to talk about this one today. I'm going to give you all four and then we're going to break them down over the next four weekends. Number one is God time. God time is time spent daily alone in fellowship with God. Read that definition with me. Time spent daily alone in fellowship with God. That's what we're going to talk about today. All of us need God time. Every day that we've set apart to spend time alone in fellowship with God. And as we do that, guess what? It affects my relationship with God, it affects my relationship with you, and it affects my relationship with people that don't know God at all. God time. Here's number two. Gather time. Time spent weekly gathering in worship with your church. Read that out loud with me. Time spent weekly gathering in worship with my church. It's gather time. Here's number three. Group time. Let's read it together. Time spent consistently in community with a small group from my church. And then the last one, number four, go time. Let's read it together. Time spent annually going on mission cross-culturally. Four strategic ways we can choose to invest our time to grow as a follower of Jesus. So you see this paradigm. Here's, here's the picture of this. And this is really our entire strategy as a church. Our entire strategy as a church is about connecting people to live life of a Jesus follower, which is abiding in Christ, connecting in community, sharing in the mission. How do we do that? Our goal is to try to lead you to invest your lives with a certain amount of time in each of these four areas. God time, that's daily. Gather time that's weekly, 
group time that's consistently, and then go time that is annually. All of these grow all of our relationship with God, with one another, with the world. As we give priority time to these four areas, we grow as followers of Jesus. Now, remember what we've said from the beginning. That major Ian Thomas quote, the Christian life is nothing more than the life he lived then, lived now by him in you. So here's what we're going to do for these four weekends. We're going to look at the life of Jesus, and I'm going to show you how Jesus had all four of these kinds of time reflected in his life. Because Jesus was God in the flesh, but Jesus chose to lay aside the privileges of being God. And here's what he did. He modeled for you and I what humanity and dependence on God is supposed to look like. And so you see in Jesus all of these kinds of times represented in his life. So if you have your Bible this morning, I want you to open it to one verse of Scripture. Mark chapter 1 and verse 35. This weekend we're going to unpack this principle of God time. Mark chapter 1 verse 35. Here's what it says. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. Some people are already struggling with this verse of Scripture. (laughs) He got up, he left the house, and he went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Everything Jesus did. He did out of the overflow of his fellowship with the Father. Jesus said over and over again in the New Testament, I do not speak on my own initiative. I do not work on my own initiative. I did not come on my own initiative. But Jesus said, I came to do the will of the Father. I do that which pleases the Father. Jesus even said this in John chapter 14. He said, when you hear my words, he said, it's not my words. It's the Father's words in me. Everything Jesus did, he modeled for us this example of God time, living his life out of the overflow of intimate fellowship with the Father. Now, let me ask you a question this morning. If Jesus needed time with the Father. How much more do you and I? So I want to examine some of this about how Jesus spent time with the Father to give you some handles for God time, how you can spend time with the Father daily. Let me give it to you in a two-part statement. Number one, Jesus spent time with the Father. And what I want to do is take this one verse of Scripture and give you five aspects of His time with the Father that give us an example of what God time should look like. All right? So here we go. Number one, the time He spent was intentional. Did you hear it? He got up. Now, you can read over this if you don't pay careful attention, but in the Greek construction, this this verb, he got up, is in the active voice and not the passive voice. Now, why is that important? The active voice is the subject doing the action. The passive voice is the subject receiving the action. If it was passive, it would mean somebody got him up. But that's not what it says. It's active. It means that it was by design. He 
got up. When Jesus went to bed the night before, he had a plan that included getting up the next morning to be alone with the Father. Intentional. The word intentional means done by design or on purpose. So here's the question. Are you intentional about time spent with the Father? Do you have a plan or is it just something you do when you have the time? Are you intentional? I came across a quote this week by a man named J. Oswald Sanders. Look at this quote on the screen. We are now and we will be in the future only as intimate with God as we really choose to be. Here's what that means. You're as intimate with the Father right now as you intentionally choose to be. If I'm not where I want to be, that's not on Him, that's on me. Because there's not a level of intentionality in my life. If you look at other people and you say, man, I just wish I could walk with God like they walk with God. Let me tell you what's different. They're just intentional about it. They've chosen to include in the design of their day time alone with the Father. Are you intentional? Here's the second thing. The time he spent was, uh uh-oh, in the morning. (laughs) Now, before you drive the car off into the ditch, I'm not implying that the only time you can spend time with God is in the morning. I am saying two things about it. Number one, it's when Jesus did it. So that's a pretty good model. And here's what I think it means even more than that. I need to be sure that the time I'm giving to God is priority time and not leftover time. You see, what tends to happen is we say, I'm gonna, i got a plan. I'm going to spend time with God if, if I get around to it tomorrow. It's not priority in our lives. It's secondary. It, it kind of fits in the cracks where we have a moment here or there. But the model of Jesus was, no, it was priority. So much so that the Bible says before the sun even came up, he set aside time to be alone with God. And I think here's why he set that model for us. You and I must fix our hearts on God every day. Let me show you why. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9. Look what the Bible says. Jeremiah 17, 9. Read it out loud with me. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? You know what that says about you and me? We're a mess. My heart will lie to me. My heart will tell me this is what you need. You ever woke up in the morning after a night, see, and you just woke up? You hadn't done anything. You woke up, and all of a sudden, what's on your heart is the furthest thing in the world from God. You've had some dream in the night about something happened 20 years ago, and you just wake up, and right there, it's right in front of your You have all the emotion like it just happened. You know why that is? Because my heart is more deceitful than all else and desperately sick. Which means every day I need God to capture my heart fresh. The man that mentored me is a man named Clyde Cranford. Look what he said. Look on the screen. He said, if we do not fix our hearts on God in the morning, they will fix on the first thing that comes along. When temptation comes, our hearts will fix on that and we'll sin. Or when an opportunity comes along that may not be God's will, our hearts will fix on that opportunity. Then if we go to God at all, we will go not for guidance but for permission. And there's a vast difference between the two. And be transparent, all right? My spiritual, emotional, and mental health daily rises and falls based on my time alone with God. I'm being honest with you. 
You see me up here on Sundays, and you see me preach, and you think, man, Pastor Vance doesn't ever struggle with anything. No, 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 no. Listen, if you knew all the junk I struggled with, you'd never listen to anything I had to say. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. Some Sundays I'm walking up these steps and God, you got to get this junk out of my head. I got to teach from your book. My heart's as wicked and sick as yours is. And on those days when I get up and I let God capture my heart and I let God get my attention in the morning and I set aside time to be with Him, man, it changes. But, but on those days that I don't, It's the days I struggle with my thoughts. It's the days I struggle with my attitudes. It's the day I struggle with my emotions. It's the day I struggle with what comes out of my mouth. It's the days I struggle with the way I react to people around me. I'm telling you my personal testimony. When I don't fix my heart on God in the morning, I battle. Now, I'm not saying that God time eliminates the battle. Let me tell you what it does. It equips you and prepares you for the battle. It invites the presence of God into your life in a unique way when the battle comes. Listen, whether you spend time with God or not, the battle is still going on. The difference is how are you fighting the battle? How are you winning the battle? How are you experiencing victory in the battle? And who are you looking to to carry you through the battle? Let me give you a third thing. The time he spent was without distractions. Do you hear what it said? He left the house. Now, in the Greek text, that phrase, the house, is not in the, the text. They, the translators implied that because of what it said. The literal translation is Jesus got up and he went away. What did he go away from? He went away from everything that would distract him from time alone with the Father. You see, in, in Jesus' day, the household was the center of the daily activity. They didn't have Starbucks and Jack in the Box and Carl's Jr. and all these other places, right? People didn't get up go places. When everybody got up, the center of activity was in the home. So Jesus knew that, man, if I don't get away from some of this before everybody else starts stirring, there are going to be a thousand distractions. So Jesus left everything that would distract him from time alone with the Father. Look at this quote by Henry Blackaby. I love this. Among the enemies to devotion, none is so harmful as distractions. Whatever excites the curiosity, scatters the thoughts, disquiets the heart, absorbs the interest, or shifts our life focus from the kingdom of God within us to the world around us, that is a distraction. The world is full of them. Our science-based civilization has given us many benefits, but it has multiplied our distractions and so taken away far more than it has given. What distracts you from being alone with God? Is it your iPhone? Your computer? Your iPad? What is it? For... Our older generation, the newspaper? <laughs> we recently moved into a new house, and the people before us have, had ordered the paper. And so every morning there's this thing laying in our driveway that hadn't been canceled yet. My kids are like, what is this thing laying in the driveway? <laughs> what distracts you? Here's, what, here's the principle. How do I eliminate? Listen, that may mean airplane mode. That may mean not opening it up until you've been with God. I know the temptation. I'm just going to check email real quick. Then I'm going to be with God. An hour and a half later. Fourth thing. The time he spent was alone. It says he went to a secluded place. The word secluded is the word in the Greek language for desert, wilderness, solitary. Here's what that means. What you're doing right now is not God time.
Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't manifest His presence among His people when we gather together. But we're going to talk about that next week. This is not a substitute for time alone daily with God. And this does not mean I get Sunday off. I don't have to be with God today. I'm going to church. No, God time is time alone daily with the Father. Listen, the greatest thing you can do to help us on Sundays is be with God and come in here full of Jesus, letting Jesus already have captured your heart. Amen. Somebody was with Jesus this morning. Listen, this is not small group. We're going to talk about that in two weeks. This is not even prayer time with your spouse. I'm talking about time where there's nobody but you and God. Daily. Five. It was, the time was consistent. The phrase got up is actually a compound word. It has that, that, that idea of standing up, getting up in it, but there's a prefix attached to it that implies repetition, meaning that this wasn't just something Jesus did that day. This was something Jesus did repeatedly, daily. And just in case you think I'm reading too much into that phrase, let me show you what Luke said. Luke chapter 5, verse 16 <coughs> says of Jesus, but Jesus himself would often slip away. And that, that phrase, slip away, is in the present active construction. It's describing ongoing, continuous action. Jesus would continuously slip away to the wilderness to pray. It was the pattern, the consistent pattern of the life of Christ was time alone with the Father intentionally that was in the morning, that was without distractions and nobody else around, just Jesus and the Father. I want you to put those five characteristics back up here. Let's put them back up on the screen, and I want to look at them. And here's what I want you to think about as I read these. Do these characteristics describe your time alone with God daily? Is your time intentional? Is it in the morning, or is it priority? Is it without distractions? Is it alone? Is it consistent? As you look at those five things, here's what I want you to think about. Which of these five areas do you struggle with the most? Because I want you to leave here today with a handle that you can actually begin to say, hey, you know what, I, I'm going to begin to really address this area in my life. What is it? That, maybe it's the intentionality part of it. Maybe that's what you struggle with the most, is just being intentional. Proverbs 27, verse 17 says, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you're, if you're struggling in the area of intentionality, get you a brother or sister in your small group and say, hey, listen, man, I'm struggling in the area of being intentional. Would you help hold me accountable? Would you come alongside me and encourage me about being intentional, about carving out time every day to be alone with God? And here's what I want you to tell them to do. Ask me. Just when you see me, ask me. Being intentional. Not to beat you up, to lift you up. Being intentional. Maybe, maybe the area you struggle with is distractions. Maybe you got all kinds of, maybe it's the, the, the technology and, and all the stuff that's, that's crowding into that space. Get you that person in your small group and say, hey, listen, man, I'm battling distractions. Would you help me? Would you, would you hold me accountable? Would you help me build an, an effective plan to remove distractions from my life? Which area are you struggling with? Let God speak to you right now. Where do you need to grow? Maybe you'd say none of these are <coughs> really a struggle, but I need to... I need to grow in this area or that. Maybe it's the area of consistency. I go through rhythms and seasons where I'm time with God, but then I'll get off track and 
Where are you struggling? Listen to this quote by A.W. Tozer. I love this. Look what he said. The simplicity which is in Christ is rarely found among us. In its stead, our programs, methods, organizations, and a world of nervous activities which occupy time and attention but can never satisfy the longing of the heart. Here's the simplicity of who Jesus is. Every day, He just went and got along with the Father. He removed the distractions. And He just was with His Father. Is that simplicity of Christ in your life? It affects everything. Your relationship with God. Your relationship with one another. Your relationship with the world. Well, let's look at the second half of this. Jesus spent time with the Father so that the Father could accomplish His purpose through Him. What did we say at the beginning? Everything Jesus did, He did out of the overflow of intimacy with the Father. In His humanity, Jesus walked in complete dependence on intimate fellowship with His Father to accomplish His will. He modeled that for us. Let me say it again. If Jesus needed that, how much more do we? So so here's the reality I want you to grab. Here's the life-changing reality. Everything God desires to do through my life, he will do out of the overflow of my love relationship with him. Read that out loud with me. Let's read it together, and I want you to read it with passion. You ready? One, two, three. Everything God desires to do through my life, he will do out of the overflow of my love relationship with him. Listen, everything, everything, Everything Jesus desires to do through you happens out of the overflow of your relationship with Him. Why am I struggling? Why am I? How's the relationship? How's the time alone with God daily? So here's where I want to close today. How do I spend time alone daily in fellowship with God? Because maybe some of you are hearing this and you're thinking, that's great, but I don't even know where to start. How do you do this? Time with God? That that sounds pretty intimidating. Alone? Are you kidding me? (coughs) Let me give you some handles. Here's number one. Establish the proper goal. And here's the goal. To know God by spending time with Him. That's it. Some of you are already thinking, spend time with God. I I don't know. I I don't really understand the Bible. The goal is not to understand all that's in the Bible. There's a lot of times I read the Bible, and you know what I say to God? God, I don't understand that at all. I didn't get that. Lord, you got to show me. It's not about just understanding all the theology of the Bible. Listen, as you get to know God, guess what? Some of that will begin to fall more into place. But the goal is about knowing God by being with Him. Now, the primary way we do this is through His Word and prayer. But the goal is not to read three chapters of the Bible tomorrow. Listen, I love these plans, like the one-year Bible plans. Those are awesome. They're wonderful tools. But the goal is not to read through the Bible in a year. The goal is to be with God. And if you're really being with God, guess what? You're going to get off track in that Bible through a year plan. It's going to become a year and a half, two year, two and a half, three year plan. Now, if you want to read through the Bible in a year, if you want to read through the Bible in a month, do it. Great, wonderful. But do that at a different time than your time alone with God. Because God needs to set the agenda of that time. Not a presupposed structure. The goal is not to read a psalm and a proverb, chapter in the Old Testament, chapter in the... The goal is not to pray through my whole prayer journal. The goal is to know God 
by simply spending time with Him. This means that I am simply reading God's Word and praying to hear from God. Listen to the way Andrew Murray says it. Look what he says. Therefore, my brother, who would learn to abide in Jesus, take time each day before you read and while you read and after you read to put yourself into living contact with the living Jesus, to yield yourself distinctly and consciously to His blessed influence, so will you give Him the opportunity of taking hold of you, of drawing you up, and keeping you safe in His almighty life. Hear this. He's the goal. There's no formula, no system. Listen, you don't have to go to some class to learn the codes, all right? There's no secret handshakes. It's just God. So you just sit down with Him and say, Lord, I'm here today to just be with you. God, I'm going to use your word. I'm going to pray. But those are just tools. So let me be with you. God, I want to be with you today. And that's how I usually start my time with the Lord. Lord, I just want to be with you today. God, I need to be with you today. So first things establish the proper goal. Just to know him. Let me give you the second thing. You got to prepare your heart. Prepare your heart. Don't rush into or rush out of God time. Don't do that. Let me give you three key words to prepare your heart. Number one, prayer. Before you read the word, pray. When I sit down to have my quiet time, it usually begins something like this. Lord, would you give me ears to hear today, whatever it is you want me to hear? God, would you open my eyes? Psalm 118, or 119 verse 18 says, Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. I'll pray, Lord, would you open my eyes today that I could... Behold wonderful things from your word. Maybe it's something like this. God, I need you today. Lord, I need your grace today to even open this book. Sometimes I get up in the morning and it's time to have my God time, my quiet time. And my flesh wants to do everything under heaven but spend time with God. And I have to start like this. God, I need you to give me the grace today to even open the book. Because, Lord, you know my heart. I don't really want to. But, God, I sure know I need to. And so, Lord, today, would you help me to even open the book? You begin in prayer. God, speak to me. Lord, if you'll speak to me today, God, I'm going to do my very best to listen. Second word, faith. Prayer, faith. Faith what? Faith in His presence. By faith, acknowledge God's presence. You are not just reading the Bible. You are spending time with God. Let me say that again. You are not just reading the Bible. You are spending time with God. And I love what R.A. Torrey said. He said, you don't have to conjure up the presence of God. You can just sit down, open the book, and say, God, right now, by faith, I acknowledge you're here. You are with me. Lord, even though right now, today, I may feel like you are a million miles away, by faith, I know you're here. And so, God, by faith, I just claim your presence. Here's the third word, patience. Patience. Prayer, faith, patience. Take time to focus on the Lord. Let God capture your attention and warm your heart to hear from Him. Let me give you some examples of how I do this. When I sit down to spend my time with the Lord, I'll do one of a variety of things. Depending on the day, depending on what I'm feeling, sometimes I'll first turn on a song. And I'll just sit and listen to a worship song. Just let God capture my heart. 
Sometimes I'll open a devotional book. Henry Blackaby's Experiencing God Day by Day. Oswald Chambers, My Utmost for His Highest. Charles Spurgeon, Mornings and Evenings with Spurgeon. What are these? They're devotionals. Now, don't let your time alone with God just be a devotional. Let me tell you why. That's hearing what somebody else has heard from God instead of you hearing from God. But devotionals are good tools to prepare my heart and warm my heart to sit before the Lord. So I use devotionals. I use books. Sometimes I'll read through books, and and I'll just read a little section of a book just to kind of warm my heart. Sometimes I'll do that by going to the Psalms, and I'll read a Psalm or two just to warm my heart to be ready to encounter and experience God. We have a whole section of our resource center back here in the guest center that's dedicated to God time resources. We've revamped that so that there are resources back there that you can get, that you can use to help prepare your heart. Starting today on our website, we have a link for God time where every day for the next 365 days, our pastoral team has written a daily devotion just so that you can use it to warm your heart to be with God. It's on our website. You can go find it right there, right now. Today's is already there. Don't do it now because I'm preaching. But after we're done, (laughs) it's there. I promise you. So establish the proper goal. Then prepare your heart. And I'm not talking. That could take just a couple of minutes. Lord, I need you today. God, by faith, I know that you're here. God, I'm going to read this psalm just to get my heart warm. Then, here's the third thing. Establish the goal. Prepare your heart. Here's the third thing. You ready? Enjoy His presence. Enjoy His presence. You say, how do you do that? Let me give you three words. Number one, prayer. Relationships are developed through communication. Prayer is talking with God. It's you talking to God And God talking to you through His Word, through His Spirit. Look at this life application. Look on the screen. Allow the Word of God to become the centerpiece of a conversation between you and God. Here's what that means. As you're reading the Bible, when you come to a promise, stop and claim it. If you're reading the Bible and you get the 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where it says, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man, and God is faithful, you just need to stop right there and say, God, I just want to stop. I want to say thank you that you're faithful. I know I'm going to face temptation today, but God, right now I claim the promise of your faithfulness, and I invite your faithfulness into my life today. And here's what happened. The Word of God just became the centerpiece of a conversation between you and the God who's sitting on the throne of the universe. When you read God's Word and you come across a sin, God God exposes an area of sin in your life. Don't go past that. Stop. Confess it. God, you're right. I'm wrong. Lord, I want to lay that out before you right now. If there's a question, ask it. You don't understand something? Say, God, I don't understand that. Lord, would you help me? Sometimes in the stillness of that moment, God will begin to speak to your heart. Sometimes it'll be days, weeks, months later, God will answer that prayer request, and He'll give you the answer. You don't let it bog you down. If you don't understand it, just say, God, you're bigger than me. I'm going to mow right around that and keep on going. But Lord, I want you to answer that. God, will you show me what that means? If you ever meet anybody that says they got all the Bible figured out, run! Because they don't. The author is God. He's bigger than us. If there's a command, submit to it. If you're reading and you come across Philippians chapter 4 where he says, be anxious for nothing. Stop right there. And say, God, today, by your grace, I'm going to submit to you. Lord, you've told me I don't have to worry about anything. So, God, today I'm going to grab a hold of that. I'm going to submit to that. And, Lord, when those situations pop up, 
God, I'm going to ask for you to give me the grace so that I, and Lord, we're just going to have to keep having this conversation today because some stuff's going to come up and I'm going to worry, but, but God, you said not to do that. So Lord, we're going to have to keep talking. And you see what happens? God's word is not this old antiquated book that, no, now it becomes the centerpiece of a conversation between me and my father daily. Enjoy his presence by prayer. Here's the second word, faith. Faith. Here's the life application. Read the word with an awareness of God and an awareness of God's awareness of you. Best illustration I've ever heard to convey this. Years ago, back when we used to really write real letters and put them in the mailbox, there was a man that his son was going off to college. The son went off to college, and the dad thought, you know what, I'm going to write my son a letter to just kind of explain life. So he sat down, and he wrote this letter, and he put it in the mailbox. He went to work. That day at work, the boss said, hey, man, something's come up. i got to send you. you got to get on a plane this afternoon to such and such a city. I need you there tomorrow. Well, it just so happened to be that he was sending him to the town where his son had gone to college. And so the dad calls the son and says, hey, I'm going to be in town. <coughs> why don't a couple nights, why don't we get together and have dinner? So they did that. He met him at his house and went over. And the son comes in and says, hey, dad, guess what? I got a letter from you today. He says, oh, yeah. I want you to read that. Man, I've explained a lot about just life. He said, matter of fact, why don't you open it right now? So the son sits down in the chair, and the father sits down in the arm of the chair, and the son begins to read the letter. And as the son reads the letter, the father says, wait, 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 wait. Stop right here. Let me tell you what I mean. When I said that, man, here are the situations that are going to, here's what's going to happen tomorrow in your life. Here's some things that you're going to face. When I said that, here's what I'm talking about. Here's what I want you to do. When you in the morning get up and open the Word of God, I want you to realize that your Father has sent you a letter. And in that letter contains everything you need to know to enjoy all that life has to offer. And as you open that book, I want you to read with an awareness that God is with you. But I want you to read with an awareness that God is aware of you. And as you read that book, by His Spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to say, hang on right there. Let me say something to you about that. Let me tell you what you're going. Listen, you don't know what's going to happen today, but I do. And I got a word for you today. Read the word with faith. Here's the third and final thing. Read it with patience. Don't be in a hurry. The only limitation to your God time is time. Not chapters or verses. Here's what I encourage you to do. Pick a book of the Bible. Pick a book of the Bible. Start chapter 1, verse 1. And in the morning, you set aside the amount of time that you have. And you just start. And don't worry about finishing the chapter. Some days I read one verse, and that's, listen, we, we only looked at one verse today. We've been in one verse for 40 minutes. Some days it's just a verse. Some days it's a phrase. Some days it's two or three chapters. And you just have this conversation. With God. And here's what I love. When I get to the end of a book in the Bible, here's what I can say. The Lord took me through that book. Now, that doesn't mean he showed me everything that's in that book, but he showed me everything you want to show me right now. And guess what? I can go back through that book again with him, and he'll show me something else. But you see what just happened? Now my God time, it's not my agenda, it's his. What does he want to say? When God speaks, be patient. I encourage you to get a journal. I have a journal. When God says something to your heart, write it down. Make sense? Let me give you some final thoughts. Four of them. We're going to be done. Number one, set a time. Everything in your life that's important, we schedule. Set a time. Number two, aim for quality, not quantity. Too much, too fast will cause burnout. So listen, 
If you already have a daily time with God, take these principles I've shared with you and, and, and increase and grow that. If you don't have a time with God daily right now, here's what I want to challenge you to do. Starting tomorrow, start with 15 minutes. Just start there. Just 15 minutes. That's it. Just start with 15 minutes. Prepare your heart. Acknowledge His presence. Pick a book of the Bible. If you don't know, I was, well, what book do I say? Listen, if, you're, if you don't know where, just start in John 1.1. 1, 1. Just start right there. Just start right there. Let Jesus take you through the Gospel of John. Just start right there. John 1.1. 1. Don't go out of here and say, you know what? He's right. Starting tomorrow. I'm starting with an hour. That's like going to the gym day one and putting 400 pounds on the press, all right? That's not going to work out too good for you. And even if you survive, the next day you're going to live to regret it, right? Now, here's what you're going to find. As you grow in spending time with God, <laughs> you, you just want more and more and more. But just start with 15 minutes. Just start right there. Quality, not quantity. Number three, do not stray too long from the Gospels. Here's what I mean by that. Start in John 1.1. 1, 1, <coughs> read the Gospel. When you finish, go to another book of the Bible. Go to the Old Testament. Go to the New Testament. Then come back to another Gospel. Then read some more books of the Bible. Then every two or three or four books of the Bible, come back to a Gospel. Why? Because in the Gospels, we see the life of Christ. Don't stray too far from the Gospel. Here's the last one. Enjoy the presence of God. Just enjoy His presence. Begin to daily learn to enjoy the presence of God. I want you to look at a quote on the screen that I want to wrap this up with. For the Christian, his entire life is to be an intimate walk with God. But that intimacy is developed one day at a time as he sets aside each day some increment of time exclusively for communion with his God. There is no substitute for this time. This is where intimacy begins. And as you begin to spend time daily alone with God, it affects your relationship with Him. It affects your relationship with one another. It affects your relationship with the world.